episode 159 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKA Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James, joined again today by Brad, Paul, Ryan, and a special guest this week as we go over our results of our annual Brewers Pop Bets. But first, a reminder, we're sponsored by Carbon 4 Brewing. You know the great beers like Block Party and the flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. Next time you're in Madison, stop by their brewery on Kinsman Boulevard on the east side. And they've actually got a deal going on this month where if you pick up a growler of their October Oktoberfest beer, you also get two carbon four pint glasses for free. I might take them up on that later today. You can also get 20% off on some carbon four merch online just by listening to this podcast. Go to carbon4.com. Use our promo code MKE Tailgate when you check out. That's carbon four beer brilliance. You can also help support our podcast network at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate for just five bucks a month. Our ball and glove and above patrons get the minor league extra podcast with Ryan and Brad, as well as Paul's reporting as eligible mini pods. You'll get a preview of the Packers game every week with all that business out of the way. Let's say hi. Kyle is back with us talking about our terrible prop bets. Well, his prop bets were fine. We just did terribly, right? Yes, you did. Uh, one of us did okay, right? Like, the rest of us sucked. <laughs> <laughs> These I, results do not count. They yes. do not count. <laughs> I I object to this in the entire season. He's Ryan, counting. Ryan, just because you didn't take first doesn't mean they don't count. You're just, you want to substitute for your own reality. Yes. I do. That's allowed now. It's 2020. That's how things work now. We're, we're casting doubt on the validity of the prop bet results. I just think the key point here is that if you did well in predicting this season, that you don't understand baseball very well because this I wasn't really that. baseball. All the rules were changed. It was a smaller season. Um, if you predicted this well, really, you're just kind of a psychopath. So, I mean, um... I mean that, that, that is why, spoiler alert, Ryan was the best out of the MKE tailgate. See? Hey. Already checks out. See? Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't win. I didn't win. I, I feel like we got like an off Craig council anyway with the 60 game season. He was reacting to the weirdness of the 60 game season. So a lot of the things that we predicted just, you know, were, were hard to maintain. You know, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, you, you really, uh, it, it took a special type to, to, to get through this right. Uh, because you couldn't even predict what the, what the best manager in national league was going to do to not be the best manager in the national league. So, you know, it, it took a, it took the perfect storm and, uh, you know, we're all, all our guesses were good and fine. And only a true agent of chaos would have possibly done well. Right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that is true. Kyle, what do we got? So the first few questions we had were the opening day quick hits. Uh, the first one was the first strikeout, and overwhelmingly it was Keston Hira, and a lot of people got that one right because he strikes out a lot. And boy, howdy, did he strike out a lot this year. Did he <laughs> end up leading the National League in strikeouts? I think he did. I couldn't tell I, you for I, certain, but I would imagine he probably did. I know I guessed Lorenzo Kane, and then Craig Council threw me the monstrous curveball of batting him eighth on opening day. Which, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Craig. Indication number one, this this year was going to be a weird one, right? Remember that Lorenzo Cain actually played baseball this season, and it like wasn't even that long ago. It was like less than three months ago that that happened. For like nine games. Yeah, like it happened. And yes, uh, Keston Hira did end up leading the National League with 85 strikeouts. Good for him. Yep. Hey, so, a sub-100 strikeout him. season. Good for him. Good for him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think my favorite thing about Keston Hira is... is 
he had played like every game that season, this season up, up up until like he had an off day like the last week or two. And like the mm-hmm. day before, I tweeted saying that Kesson Hero was the only one to play every game this year. And then what does Craig do? He gives him an off day, maybe like a month and a half too late, but he gave him an off day. Oh, so Craig listens to the show and follows everyone who has been a contributor on it, has been trying to sabotage us. Correct. Oh, that is that's what happened. <laughs> I, my results make a lot more sense now. Yeah, indeed. Next up, we have the first two-game hitting streak of the season. The options were the presumptive opening day starters, but surprisingly, none of them had the first two-game hitting streak. That went to Brewers 2020 MVP, Ben Gamble. <laughs> so yeah i had yelich on this one <laughs> and he didn't get yeah. a hit until like what a I think, hit. well he didn't get anything in those first six seven games right he was like it he was had, bad he had a home yeah. run and like he had a home run and that was it yeah he hit, it was like one for 27 with a homer unbelievable it, it was a good season no, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was terrible. We made the playoffs. It was a good season. Next up was the first home run given up by a Brewers pitcher. This one was also fairly straightforward. It ended up being Brandon Woodruff. I had it. I think I might have had it, too. It was just a pretty safe bet that somebody was going to give up a home run on opening day, right? So I'm pretty confident I guessed Josh Hader. So that sounds about right. I think Paul had Josh Hader, too. I think I did. Yeah, I'm almost sure I did. I remember my reasoning that he would definitely play in game one, which I'm not sure actually happened. And uh, <laughs> Oh, I might have actually. I, I, I really oh. should have looked up my answers. I think I actually had, like, Alex Claudio on the first home run because I, I had him for this and the next question, I believe. Ah, okay. And the next question was, who is going to be the first reliever of the 2020 season? And it was, as James alluded to, Alex Claudio. Yeah, one of my four that I got right, so <laughs> I'll take that win. I th- what is it like four for twenty five? So I, I was like basically that. the yeah, I was the Brewers' offense of the uh, prop bets. I pulled up my prop bet predictions, and unfortunately, I think I pulled up the wrong one. So <laughs> I was trying to follow along, and it was going very poorly. Next up, we had the last opening day quick hit, which was what game will Craig Council make his first challenge? And surprisingly, it took him a while. It wasn't until, I think, week two that he made his first challenge, which means game seven plus was the correct answer there. Got that one. Yeah, only a crazy man would get that one. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have we had how many Brewers on the opening day 30-man roster will hit 10 or more home runs? The options Oof. were one or two, three, and then other. The correct answer was two players hit 10 or more home runs this year yeah i was very optimistic in their ability and got this very wrong Uh i think i think we all did i don't nope i I got it right i took i took the low end on this because i just didn't see where the third person was going to get the playing time i figured Uh, and yelich were going to do it i mean it just had to be it was just ryan braun like could ryan braun hit 10 home runs in a small sample i didn't figure he was going to stay healthy enough i thought ryan braun and avi would do it and they didn't. It's not my fault they actually dried the balls this time. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, this is all about the ball here. Yeah. Stupid Dried MLB in their yeah. lack of wanting offense again. Uh, the next question turned out to be uh, quite disastrous. 
for a variety of reasons. <laughs> it was, who will record more stolen bases with the Brewers? The options were the field or a combination of Christian Yelich, Ryan Braun, and Lorenzo Cain. As loyal listeners of the podcast might remember, Lorenzo Cain opted out of the season. Yep, yep. Uh, the, the end result was 15 team stolen bases. Five of those came from Yelich and Braun. So the field won. <laughs> um, no one ran this season because no one could get on base this season. It does check out. It's factually correct. Can't, can't, can't steal first base, as I say. <laughs> hey, tell you, uh, Gene Segura that. That's, that's true. Yeah. Counterpoint, you can steal third base on a drop third strike, which leads me to my favorite rule that there's nothing stopping you from just swinging wildly at a pitch that goes to the backstop on a third on a what could be a third strike. Yes, I also AJ Brzezinski did much. that in the playoffs. Yep, he yeah. did. Yeah, and he like was widely reviled for it because AJ Brzezinski is like I guess he was like the proto Trevor Bauer, right? Like mm-hmm. he was Trevor Bauer before there was a Trevor Bauer. He was kind of yeah. that Weasley guy. Yeah. Yeah, just known for hugging and then punching a guy at home plate. Oh, him and it. Yeah, was it the Michael Barrett dust up? Him yep. and Barrett yep. got into it? Yeah. yeah, that was Michael Barrett. Michael Barrett does have a very punchable face, though. I mean, so does AJ Pruszynski. Yeah, they that all do. True. Yeah. Yeah. So does Trevor Bauer. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> moving on. The next question was How many errors will the Brewers commit this season? The options were <laughs> 25 or fewer. <laughs> 26 to 35, 36 to 45, or 46 plus. The correct answer was 32 errors committed. Here I, I just have written yes, so either I wrote down the wrong answer to the question <laughs> or uh, all the, of them. The next question's a yes, no, so you might have just skipped this uh, one. You might have been. Yeah, I, I just remember like Paul basically saying whatever the highest number is, that and more than that. Like you couldn't set that bar high enough. And you didn't predict. You you didn't predict (laughs) hero Jed Jerko. Well, didn't that crazy thing about the crazy thing about this year too? Sorry, Paul. uh, Was that the Brewers had like this crazy long errorless streak, didn't they? They they did. They did. The the Jerko error should count for like ten errors. That's my only comment on this one. We should by weighted errors of importance. I think I still hit the over on this one. <laughs> uh, next up, and I think that this might be what you were thinking of, Brad, was will we see a position player pitch this season? Mm. The oh, options yeah, were oh, yes yeah. or no, and of course, yes hit, thanks to Brewers legends Jed Jerko and Orlando Arcia. Yeah. Two very just... different outcomes on those uh, pitching appearances. Yes, too. Orlando Arcia finished with an 18 ERA in two innings of work, and Jed Jurko had a scoreless one-inning outing. This was the issue with Manny Pena getting injured so early, is he's normally the pitcher, and we didn't get to watch his amazing 55-mile-per-hour fastball. I'm just glad they finally let Arcia pitch. You know? Yeah, we needed to see that, and it, it did finally <laughs> it did. happen, though I didn't actually get to see it, so... I, that was one of the games I missed. Next up, we had how many pitchers will record a save with the Brewers this season? The the uh, options were over or under four and a half pitchers. Can anyone name the pitchers that recorded a save with the Brewers this season? Uh, Josh Hader. Correct. Anyone else? Oh, jeez. I cheated and looked, so I'm not. I'm not. Gonna, yeah, I, I'm, I'm watching you look, and I'm not letting you answer this. Didn't I thought Phelps had no one? I could be making that someone up. Someone yep. weirder. 
Did yeah, someone, even, did someone weirder? Did even Hope weirder. I have one. Eric less, Yardley? Less weird. Less weird. Cla- Claudio. Alex Claudio. Claudio. Added. That's right. Claudio had a save. Did he? That's okay. right. I even joked about proven closer Alex Claudio. Yeah, he did. that's right. I remember that. But that is it. Alex mm-hmm. Claudio finished in second place this year with one save. Not a whole lot of opportunities this year. Nope. <laughs> also, uh, Josh Hader exclusivity to help him get his salary up. Which may have backfired, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, next up, we had who will throw the most innings pitch or who will pitch the most innings for the Brewers this season? I think I got this. One. I got this one right, but I bet we all did. I think we this all did. To, this has to be a social, right? I mean, it's, or did, I is this one we? Wrong. I think we. I think when we did this one, we said, "Oh, this will be a social," and then James picked somebody else. Yeah, I picked yes. somebody right. <laughs> so I think we all have Woodruff except James. Yep. James, who did you end up picking? I couldn't tell you. I threw away my sheet. <laughs> it was somebody dumb. I, I threw it away in game three in rage. Oh, I think it. I think it was Peralta. I, I was banking on uh, some more more starts than we actually saw from Freddie. Well, and I think there was the concern that Woodruff would get injured because Woodruff's yeah. been injured in every season. But sure. in a sixty game season. It's just much less likely. But, right. Uh, I'm still a little surprised he didn't go with your hero, Corbin Burns. I didn't know where he was. I was the same issue with Freddie. I didn't know how much he would pitch in uh, in the bullpen and how much in the rotation. But yeah, uh, either way, dumb choice by me, and I ruined the social. <laughs> Next up, we had how many? Or we had a Josh Hader pitching question, which was, "What will be the most frequent days of rest between his pitching appearances?" The options were zero, one, two, three, and then four or more slash tie. And in what I thought was kind of an upset, the correct answer was one day of rest. He had eight pitching appearances on one day of rest. No other option had more than four. Well, and that was largely because they just like couldn't get together like a anything. Winning streak? Yeah, anything like a real winning streak where they could run off like a number of, of saves in kind of a row. So. Or just like, you know, having hits and runs so that way you didn't have to pitch Josh Hader every other day. Yeah, that too. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, what, we probably led the league in like five inning no hit bids or something like that this year? Yeah. At least I, it felt I like would it. hazard a guess, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Josh Hader pitched 21 times in 60 games. So I think he pitched in a third of the games. Though, and this is kind of wild, he only had 19 innings pitched. He had, which is, this is a complete reversal from what we've seen with Hader in the past, where Hader would have many more innings pitched than appearances. This is not something you generally would like to see continue. I still think early season he was nursing an injury we weren't being told about. I think that's probably a safe bet. Yeah, that that one day arrest ending up being the, the big one is kind of surprising considering how much Paul and the rest of us complained about how little he was being used in the first few weeks of the season. So, well, and, and I think Ryan, to your point, the innings pitch and the appearances kind of matched up the way it did was because he was pitching every other day. And in, in a scenario where we have 162 game season, he's pitching maybe once every three days, once every four days. And so he, you're going to get those one and a half, two inning outings from him more regularly. But if he's pitching every other day, we've seen from Josh Hader, he can't go multiple innings and then pitch two days later all the time. Well, no, and they don't want to use him that way when he's the designated closer. So Correct. they either need to get him out of that role, as Paul has been hammering on get all year, out. 
or they need to basically have somebody else be in that role, which might be the way to do it because Devin Williams was so much better anyway. Like Devin Williams was truly the more valuable guy and he got to play the Josh Hader role this year. Because if you look at his numbers, he pitched 22 games, but 27 innings pitched, which is much more Hader-like than what Hader was this year. Absolutely. Most importantly, Brad got this right. (laughs) (laughs) Which I love how we're balancing between the, this doesn't count, and then when we get things right, we're like, yeah, we nailed this. (laughs) Like, it's it's a back and forth (laughs) of saying this doesn't count, but being proud when we did something good. Uh, Next up, we have... How many different pitchers will start a game for the Brewers this season? The options were seven or fewer, eight, nine, ten, or eleven or more. The correct answer was eight. Only eight different pitchers started a game for the Brewers this season. I went with nine here, but I think the overall health of until the very end of the rotation was actually very strong. Yeah. And you also have Burns reestablishing himself, which then puts a very solid starter into a continual spot, which I think was something a lot of us thought there'd be more volatility behind Woodruff than there ended up being. Yeah, you had Woodruff starting 13 games, Burns starting nine, Hauser 11, Anderson 10, Lindblom 10. And then the, the randos in there were Brett Suter started four. Freddie Peralta started just the one, and Eric Lauer got the two. So if it wasn't for that Freddie Peralta one, I would have had it right. (laughs) Kind of surprising they uh, got through with such good health, especially considering, you know, Brett Anderson. But also that they were largely effective enough that they didn't have to do much shuffling at the back end either. You know, obviously, Lindblom kind of struggled here or there, but he, he was solid enough, and they were able to cover it with bullpen innings where it wasn't a huge mm-hmm. issue. Especially and, when you consider the like pool of double headers that they had to play because of the Cardinals' lack of responsibility for being socially uh, adequate to keep their peers safe. You know, but, when you take in their total disregard for human life, is <laughs> is even that much more astounding because you had to have so many people start that second game of the doubleheader. Brad, but what about all those feel-good stories I heard about in the playoffs about how the St. Louis Cardinals, you know, they battled through adversity and made the playoffs. And they played Mike, Sh- Mike Schilt, manager of the year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, Mike Schilt. Oh. The Ellis yeah. Island guys. I'm oh. sorry to let you know. <laughs> also, James, I just want to, you know, push back on something. You mentioned that you were worried about, you know, the Brewers starting pitching health this year. And I uh-huh. have to say, you know, the Brewers have a really good track record of their starting pitchers not getting hurt. So I'm really confused where that came from. I, I I also said this along with James, that I was worried that there was going to be more health, and it's because of the pool. They do have a great track record, but I think I thought there would be more volatility in who they needed to start based on when the injuries occurred. So like they were pretty lucky in that when they needed a backup starter, they could go to Brent Suter, mm-hmm. whereas you know Brandon Woodruff has a pretty – he has a Ryan Braun like injury history. Brett Anderson is injury heavy. Josh Lindblom, pre his time spent in uh, Japan, had a you know decent or in Korea had a injury history. So you're looking at a lot of people who generally miss two or three starts a season, and trying to predict that where you're like, okay, they're probably going to need two IL stint coverage from each of these guys 
based on what they need. And I think they did have two or three IL stints that they needed to cover for Brett Anderson. So that ended up being somewhat true in that regard. But they were just able to work it in with the guys that they had. You had Burns popped back into the rotation the first time, I think. And then you had something like probably I'm assuming uh, you had Suter step up and, and make one of his four starts there. So something along those lines. Yeah, and even right. with the double headers, it was it was pretty. I feel like it was pretty frequently Brent Suter taking one of the two games too. So, yep, yep. Next up, we have one last saves question. How many different pitchers will record a save against the Brewers this season? The options for this question was six or fewer, seven, eight, nine, and then ten or more. The correct answer was ten or more. Or more, more, but exactly. It was it, it, yeah, and I know I got that one right. So, boom. I think yeah. there was a little less uh, bullpen, uh, back end bullpen disruption than I expected this season. It seemed a lot of teams were lucky enough to keep their the that the Brewers had to deal with anyways were lucky enough to keep a lot of the back end of their bullpen pretty consistent. So I expected a lot of variance when you're looking at teams like the Cardinals here. Um, I mean, obviously the Cubs had a miserable time of it, but they kept trying the same thing over and over again. So, I mean, that, that, that did. kind of worked. It's true. So uh, I I expected it to be even, high. I guess nine, but I was surprised it wasn't even higher just because of the bullpen situation in the National League going into the season. Yeah, I think I went lower just thinking the number of opponents the Brewers had were limited too, right? Uh, but Obviously, there were plenty of chances to get saves against the Brewers because they lost more than they won. And they also played a ton of really close games. So, you know, yeah, the Brewers ended up... So many close games. Right. (laughs) So, you know, even that, you know, they couldn't hit at all, but a lot of their (laughs) losses were determined by three runs or less. So it's not terribly surprising that there were a ton of saves against the Brewers. Next up, we had... How many Brewers on the opening day 30-man roster will end the season with two or more Fangraphs wins above replacement? The options to this awful, 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 sad question was <laughs> got z- ugly. Yeah. zero or one, two, three, and then four or more. I know I took too high on this. I don't remember how. <laughs> Can anyone name the player or players that had two or more Fangraphs war this year? I uh, Corbin Burns. It's got to be Burns and Woodruff. Burns and Woodruff. That yeah. is correct. Uh, no hitter even reached one win above replacement. <laughs> uh, Devin Williams was the only other player to hit over one, and he had 1.4 more. Which wow. is pretty astounding when you're talking about a reliever. Yes. Yeah. A guy who, that yeah, I mean, he literally pitched 27 innings. So, yeah. <laughs> That's insane. The fact that no hitter got over one is simultaneously depressing and not surprising at all considering Lorenzo Kane was still like one of their war leaders <laughs> as, as late as like after the first month so a moment of appreciation for Devin Williams ERA plus which I'm just seeing now for the first time his ERA plus million? is it's 1300 right 1375 <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it went over a thousand I didn't know it went over a thousand either this is the first time I'm seeing that that is insane I think he, hitters had one hit off his changeup all season, right? Well, the, he only I'm gave up sure. eight hits all year. Eight hits right. in 27 <laughs> innings. 
But against this changeup, I think that it was one, and it was like a 60-mile-per-hour hit that like fell yep. over Orlando Arcia's head. He gave up 2.7 hits per nine. He gave up less than a hit every three innings pitched. <laughs> less than was a hit he, every three innings pitched. He didn't have the highest K-9 on the Brewers this season, though. No, he did not. That's also bizarre. Well, I, it's, I it's, I mean, that's, it's a tiny sample, but yeah. I want to steal a question from uh, a friend of the show. Is Devin Williams elite? Yes. <laughs> By the way, while, while we're on the fan graph subject, do you, know, do you guys know who led the team in just offensive war? Uh, uh, Jerko, right? No, it was Orlando Arcia. Nope. Just offensive war. Not, uh, not with the defensive components added in. I still thought it was Jerko. It is not Jerko. Because <laughs> he didn't play him. Avi. Oh my God! Is, is it Daniel Vogelbach? It, it, it is large Daniel Vogelbach. <laughs> oh Four point five runs added with his like three weeks. Yep. <laughs> he led the team by a lot, by the way. Four point five uh, versus Yelich's two point eight in second place. So wow. um, Daniel four hundred does a lot for you. Vogelbach by far the best offensive brewer. <laughs> I think when you look at how highly Christian Yelich still ranked in a lot of offensive categories in the season and how bad his slash line is. And that's like all you need to comprehend how bad the Brewers were offensively this year. Yeah, it really, there's going to be a lot of good trivia questions that come out of this. <laughs> like, like Phil Bickford somehow having an 18 K print K nine and an 800 Babbitt. Well, you say somehow he pitched an <laughs> inning and he struck out too. So like, he, well, there you go. He pitched an inning, sure he struck that. out too, and they let him suffer through it because uh, at that point, all their experimental pitchers had already given up all the runs before they let him in the game. That is what happened. Thank you for ruining the fun technicalities of this. That's By what we're here for. I, nothing like watching Phil Bickford, the kid who was so hyped because he threw 97, come onto the mound in relief and throw 89. Yeah. That, hmm, that's a trade I want back. But anyway. And speaking of Phil Bickford, the next question was, how many players will have their Major League debut with the Brewers this season? The options to this was apparently too low. The options were one, <laughs> two, three, or other. The correct answer was six. Yeah, there's, yeah, we completely misunderstood how this season was going to go. Yes, Even the indeed. Brewers who didn't have a COVID outbreak. Yeah. Like the fact that there were 28 people on the roster and that they were rotating through, we should have seen this coming much more clearly, and we didn't. So, well, how was I supposed to know that they were going to let Phil Bickford, of all people who they haven't <laughs> let get above high A since he's been in the organization, <laughs> throw a major league inning? <laughs> Plus, we had a dude named Justin Topa. Justin like, Topa. Yeah, it, I, I, I think we all kind of struggled to think of maybe more than three names. Well, that's so, exactly I, what we it all was. had Fire yeah. Rise and Rasmussen, and then we're like, uh, somebody else? There are two I more. Went, I there went over on this one. I, I, uh, I anticipated them needing COVID replacements, which is not what happened, but uh, I did get this one right. One of the few that I did. So. <laughs> I mean, they ended up needing a lot of fresh arms for the doubleheaders and everything like that, too. Yeah. So that certainly played a role. So we, Fresh we, arms from their bullpen, having crap days, and so we've named four of the six already on this podcast. Justin Topa, uh, Phil Bickford, J.P. Fireisen, and Drew Rasmussen are four of the six. Who were the other two? Oh, gosh. Jeez. Um, uh, there are two more pitchers. That right? is incorrect. Oh, there's, there's, a, 
There's a hitter in there? There is a hitter. Who was the hitter who made their debut? Taylor debuted before this year, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he he debuted in September 2019. He played in 16 okay. games. What? 16 games? Yes. He did. He started eight of them. I'm cheating and looking at it, so I can't answer. Goodness. The, the, the pitcher, for oh. reference, is Angel Perdomo. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot. Oh, 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 who, oh who I got it. That same game. It's Mar- Mark Mathias. Yeah, yes. it is Mark Mathias. Oh, yep. yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I could have hey, sworn he debuted earlier, too. But Speaking yeah. of Mark Mathias, Brad's head is safe. No meteor here. <laughs> Next up, we had a fun injury question, as fun as injuries can be. How many oh. players <laughs> on the opening day 30-man roster will spend time on the injury list this season? I had a note that said players on the opening day injury list did not count. The options for this was three or fewer, four or five, Six or seven, and then eight or more. The correct eight answer. Or more, eight or more. The correct answer. To this was six. Damn it. Uh, the three players <laughs> that were on the op- pre-opening day roster that weren't included were Ray Black, Luis Urias, and Brett Anderson. The six mm-hmm. that qualified were Ryan Braun, Justin Grimm, Corey Knebel, Manny Pena, Ben Gamble, and Corbin Burns. I think we all kind of overshot this one, anticipating like COVID cases or something yeah. similar, right? I believe that is what yeah. happened. Yeah, I mean, if we had uh, had a a COVID outbreak, then it would have just shot. It would have hit, and yeah, yep. it would have hit. But it fortunately didn't work out that way. Yeah, I'm very happy my team didn't get COVID, especially because of the stupid, stupid Cardinals who tried to bring it through in like the first week of the season. Stupid Cardinals. They did. They infected the Fister. So besides their <laughs> ghost problems, they also had a you know, COVID outbreak in their <laughs> halls. Maybe they killed the ghosts with the COVID. Maybe. They're it's also quiet. flat earthers, so. That quote <laughs> was awesome. Was a lot of Cardinals hate like, this week. The weirdest thing about the Cardinals is, like, the Cardinals aren't from St. Louis, you know? Like, the people who actually play for the team. Like, how does that happen? That some team just, like, you get on this team. And you just turn into a dumb redneck. It's crazy. Like, <laughs> what? It- so apparently that was a joke because Paul DeJong has a like a biology degree or something. Like he, it was, just, a, it was like, a joke. Look, I hear stories from my mother works in healthcare, and I hear stories about what the healthcare workers think about COVID. And it's if people who work in healthcare think that about a pandemic. I can only imagine what people with a science degree still think about the earth because they probably think that anything they believe about the earth provides validity to their thoughts because they have a science degree. So I, it did not sound like a joke on the broadcast when I went back and listened to it. I think Paul DeYoung's agent was just like, Oh dear God, no, no, no. And start tweeting things out like, or and like trying to correct people because his job is to protect his representative and i think adam wainwright was like no really it's just a pain in the ass i have to keep telling these people like why would people want the earth to be flat and they're like science nasa wants to control us man and they just had to deal with that all year but nasa does want to control us brad do do yeah they well they're killing the bees with chemtrails that's one of my i listened to uh one of my favorite podcasts one of the characters on it kind of parodies alex jones <laughs> and like for a while i didn't really realize it was a parody until he got to the chemtrail episode and was like it's just people people are mad at clouds they're mad at clouds <laughs> <laughs> that they are oh goodness gracious all right moving on moving on the next question was about extra innings games 
in the 2020 baseball season, the Brewers went three and two in extra inning games for a 600 record, which was the over 500 record, and they played under six and a half extra innings games. That's shocking. I feel like there's still an extra inning game going on right now. I, I feel like they happen like every other day. <laughs> oh, I hit both parts of this. So did I get double credit for that then? No, it was one point. It was one. That's bull. I should have gotten two points for that. No, because it was no, four it was a two-parter. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, got right. it. Okay. Yeah. So for this, like the, the double header that they played against the Cardinals where they still ended up playing like eight or nine innings, those counted as extra inning games? Yes, they did. Okay. Just for point got of it. clarification. Uh Ryan, also, remember, this is a bad, bad thing where you don't only get it right if you're bad. So, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I remember that, and um, James, I believe we played both extra innings games in that doubleheader, correct? Yes. Yeah. Because I, I, I remember tweeting out, I think, sometime during the second game, that the Brewers had never swept an extra inning doubleheader. <laughs> and then they had to lose the second half that doubleheader, but... For a moment, I was I was really hoping that they could do that. Um, I had to manually look through like twenty seasons. I, I actually I manually looked through fifty seasons of uh, scores Yikes. to find that stat during that game. I mean, I had uh, nothing I, better to do. Don't get me I wrong. Would, I would <laughs> gently uh, tease you for this, but I've totally gone through like 40 seasons of game logs before if I think like I've discovered an odd stat. So yep. I've yep. been there, done that. Uh, and then next up, we have the one-run game question. The over/under was twenty-four and a half one-run games, and a six-hundred record. They played in sixteen games of one-run varieties this season, That's and went eleven and five for a sixty-nine percent win rate. Nice, nice, nice. nice. <laughs> and I got that one right too. Boom! Wait. Good for you, Ryan. Do you want a high <laughs> five? <laughs> no, it's COVID times. That is true. Do you want an elbow bump? Sure, elbow bump. Guys, why is it nice? Because it's the nice number, Brad. Moving on, the next question is, how many NL Central rivals would the Brewers win the season series against? The <laughs> options were 0, 1, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, the correct answer was 0. They tied 5-5, five, five, 3 of the 4 rivals, and lost to the Cincinnati Reds 4-6. Of course, they almost, almost split that one, too. That's insane. That's, that's my... I, I, in a season of weird stats, that might be my favorite one. About well, because it's so telling. It's like it's the most telling Literally thing. against everyone. Goodness yeah. gracious. I guessed three, and I was so damn close. This stupid team. Just because they play... I thought they were going to get like an extra wit, or like have a lot of 6-4 instead of 5-5, five, five, because Craig generally does play his division rivals well. But then you have like your opening series against the Pirates go very poorly and be representative of what's coming in the season. They ended up like representing like 20% of the Pirates wins this year, which is infuriating, but whatever. Enjoy, Kumar. <laughs> I, I miss the seasons when we would just beat the Pirates every game. Those were the Those good were fun. days. Those were the Remember, days. there was like the 24 game win streak against the Pirates, right? Or was it just at Miller Park? It was just at Miller Park. It was just at Miller Park, yeah. Right. And then there were like two seasons where, because of that, we had to regress to the means, and the Pirates went like six and one over two seasons at Miller. It had to be more than that. But they had like a substantial winning streak at Miller Park. Next up, we have. I think the funniest result of any question we had this year. Uh, in which month will the Brewers record the most games? 
The options for this one were July and October, which included the postseason, August, September, or tie. The correct answer was tie. They won 13 games in August and 13 games in September. Had they won game one of the NL wildcard series against uh, Los Angeles, September would have won. Alas, it was a tie. Mm. Damn, Suter. Damn you. Another example of their their perfectly balanced year with 13 13 wins in August. It's all ties, yes. Yeah, July they were three and three. August they were thirteen and fifteen. September they were thirteen and thirteen. <laughs> Yikes! Next up, we have what of these random ideas will be the greatest? The options were uh, the total number of wins, the total number of home runs by the DH and center fielders, and the Ooh. total number of pitchers used in relief or tie. The correct answer was, with 29, the number of wins. We used 21 pitchers in relief, and we had 16 home runs by the DH and center fielders this year. It did not help us that, again, Lorenzo Cain opted out very, very early into the season. And Avi Garcia can't hit for power. Yep. That too. He, no, he can hit. I mean, he hits the ball powerfully. He just doesn't get just power. That's all. not what getting for power means. It doesn't go over the fence. It's not for power. Oh, you hit the ball into the ground at 100 miles an hour. Great. Go be Matt Merton and leave the Japanese league in hitting. 115 miles per hour at two degrees of launch angle. <laughs> and you're hitting the bait. Listen, that's how Prince Fielder got his ball jammed under the wall. That's going to lead to a lot of inside the park home runs down the road. <laughs> that is still my favorite thing that Prince Fielder has two inside the park home runs. Yep, Does Braun great. have two? No, I don't think Braun has. Two. I don't think so. Does Braun even have any? I don't know that he I does. I don't think so. No, no, the one he almost got is the one where he falls around third place, it's, and then the next day they do the body oh, chalk, right? Oh, yeah. yeah that's yeah. right. You're right. He took the digger in 2011. It was great. And then uh, I think Corey Hart had two. I know he had at least one, but I think he had two. It makes sense. Yeah, Corey Hart was fast when he was young. So, yeah. Right. That's not it's, as fun. it's not a gigantic first baseman. And two of the weirdest guy. things, because one is how do you hit the Metrodome like ceiling? And then the other is what ball? Why doesn't an outfielder at least try for the ball? All you had to do was attempt to grab it. He he tried to do the Wrigley rule, which is not a rule outside of Wrigley. That's why he he just didn't understand the rules of baseball. And that's which which the Wrigley rule always makes me laugh because it just makes me think of kids laying on their stomach, like digging for the ball under a bush while playing backyard. Also, it is it is ridiculous and one of the weirdest rules in sports that Wrigley Field has its own rule about a ball getting lost and you throw it. And you throw your arms up to indicate it. Like, there's nothing else like that. Uh, <laughs> it's well, like, it's the, insane. It should you should cheat with it more often. Honestly, like just bury the ball the back there yourself if it's going to be a triple. There have been times when a ball has hit into the ivy and two balls have fallen out because there was one stuck in there from like BP <laughs> or something. So like, there's yeah. What we're getting to here is that Wrigley Field is an abomination and that yep. it should be burned to the ground. That is correct. And I moving on, a relic of. 
I want it to be like one day something falls out of the ivy that's like a relic of history, like a goodwill find in a shoebox type thing, <laughs> where like something falls out. The only problem like, is the, the vines do die every year, and so yeah, everything falls so out. Yes, you you eventually will see it regardless. But I just want like some spectacular, like this is a ball for the nineteen twenty four World Series. Do you remember <laughs> when they uh, when they finally like dug up the the field when? I think probably the Trib company sold them and like the Ricketts bought it and decided, oh, we should probably do a little landscaping here for the first time in decades. They were pulling up like goalposts from the 30s that were buried in the ground. Like they were pulling up all kinds of crazy shit. And And now they have the uh, uh, one-way glass so the bullpen can be an interrogation room. (laughs) (laughs) It will always be crazy how much people complained about the poll um, when it was put back out. Not in Wrigley. Was that in Houston or uh, who had the pole? In oh, the yeah. pole. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the because, one that Richie yeah. Sexton dented? Because it was on yeah, Toss Hill. So they had the pole, and people complained, like, uh, you know, crazy amounts about the pole, which is, you know, fine, because it's stupid to have a pole in play. Uh, but uh, nobody yeah, ever ran yeah. into the pole. It got hurt by the pole. And, you know, the the brick in Wrigley still continues to exist with no protection on it. hurts people routinely, like, all the time. And no, nobody seems to care. Yeah, so, Kian uh, Broxton uh, broke a hand there, didn't he? Yep. Yeah, people. Yep. It, ha- it happens like all the time. Like the the IV gives you a false sense of security, and you know, in the heat of a moment, you look back there and you don't see a brick wall. You see a bunch of green. It looks soft, and um, so it, it's it's just ridiculous that it's allowed to persist. With are, no are you saying that a half inch of green isn't the same as two inches of padding? Yes, that <laughs> is exactly understand. what he's saying. <laughs> all right, moving on. Moving on. The next question is another potpourri question. Uh, the question is, which number will be the largest? The options for this question were Christian Yelich home runs, Josh Hader saves, <laughs> non-top five starts by any other starting pitcher, uh, Ryan Braun non-DH lineup starts, or Brewers to make the starting lineup other than the opening day nine or tie. Uh, to answer the numbers one by one, Christian Yelich hit 12 home runs this season. Josh Hader had 13 saves. There were seven starts by the not top five for starting pitchers. 13 Brewers made the starting lineup other than the opening day line nine. And Ryan Braun had 18 starts this year outside of the Hmm. DH. Ah, Good for Ryan. It's a very good (laughs) question, Kyle. I think this is uh, all, all the questions are good, but I think this is one that turned out to really be. I could, did not know which way to go and it ended up being mm-hmm. like, it was kind of luck of the draw that, uh, especially with Lorenzo Cain opting out, really just kind of tilted it in favor. And even with that, it still ended up being close. I'm surprised Ryan Braun had 18 starts completely, like total. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I mean, given his health, yeah. I, I remember when we were doing this, I, I was probably higher on Braun being not the DH than some other people, but I think I had chickened out and went with uh, either Yelich home runs or something. But so I, I'm like equal parts not surprised that Braun ended up with a decent amount there, but also like Christian Yelich hitting 12 home runs in 60 games. Who could have thought that? So yeah. Here's a, here's a fun question for you. Uh, Ryan Braun's first major league season was in. T- was in or sorry, his first year in organized baseball was 2005. One other brewer on the 2020 Brewers also started organized baseball in 2005. Who was it? Justin Smoke. No. 
Oh yeah, Justin Smoke wasn't Justin that old. Smoke he's like thirty. Yeah, he's not that old. Was yeah, Lorenzo Kane no. in no. that? No. No, he was drafted he was in like two thousand eight. None yeah, of you uh, will get this. If you get this, I will Venmo you five dollars. You each get uh, one more guess. Right. Um, Brett Anderson? No. It's not Brett, Brett Anderson. Anderson was two thousand seven. Ah, jeez. Um, who could this be? Who could this be? Who could this be? Who else is old? Uh, Nobody's old. Um, it has to be a bullpen player, right? No. Jeez, this is Sogard. Sogard was two thousand seven. Uh, so it's got to be like someone who only had like he's so confident in this. I feel like it's got to be like a flash in the pan player, like a guy who like just like made like a. a oh, oh, I, my I other guess would be Jerko, but he's probably another 07 guy. He's just not nearly that old. Jed Jerko was Jed Jerko was no. 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Really? I feel like he's been around forever, too. Anyway, it's got to be like someone like what's the answer? The answer uh, is, is Ryan Healy. It is not Ryan Healy. <laughs> Ryan Healy was 2011. The yeah, correct... I know. He's super young. I just had to guess a name one the more time. The <laughs> correct answer is a 33-year-old, 6-foot, 222-pound catcher from Venezuela, Manny Pena. Um, Manny Pena. Oh, that makes wow. sense. Oh, five, that makes sense. That's right, because he would be an international signee, right? Uh, and yep. he was 18 then. All, All right. right. Interesting. That was an interesting question. Moving on to the last actual prop bet question. Uh, which number will be highest? Uh, NL Central road wins, wins against the American League Central, or tie? And in a fitting 2020 Brewers possibility, Jesus. it wasn't tie, but it was close. The Brewers had mm-hmm. nine road wins this year against the NL Central and 10 against the AL Central in total. Hey, I got this All one right. <laughs> Not quite in I the way you expected. Tie. Yeah, yeah. And no, last... I expected a <laughs> much different result, but I'll take it. <laughs> Did you account for the fact that they played that one game in St. Louis as the home team? Yes. Okay. Yes. Come on, give Kyle some credit give here. Me some credit. Just, just wanted to make sure. Just wanted to make Didn't sure. Didn't they lose anyway? So it'd be, it's an arbitrary question, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I think they won that game. I think they won when they were the home team. Uh... I think they lost the one they were the road team. I think I you think might have right. it reversed. Okay. Eh, who cares? Yeah, doesn't exactly. matter. They sucked. All right. And lastly, <laughs> there was the tiebreak question, which ended up uh, being decisive in determining the 2020 Brewers MKE tailgate prop. Oh my God! So you're saying okay? Oh All my right. God! Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah, there was a tie at the top, and I I figured this of is why was a tie. one name was at the top. Yep. Oh, so no. that's, okay. the tiebreak no. question this year was, uh, <laughs> it was. The Price is Right rules, without going over, how many regular season and postseason games will the Brewers play in 2020? The correct answer was 62 games. The two player, the two participants that ended up with 10 correct answers, one of them said 64 games, which went over, which meant that they, had, they did not get credit for it. The other said 60 games. And with that, with 10 correct answers... <laughs> No, the winner, no, don't the say winner it. of the 2020 <laughs> MKE tailgate prop bet way. contest is no. is Ryan. You want to want to do the honor? No, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, not going to say it. Steve oh. Garzinski, congratulations. <laughs> Ryan will hand deliver you a 12 pack of your favorite beer as a result of this. Goddamn, no. So we're just going to play like a loud beep uh, over it. Yeah, right? that's and, that's like, going to delete just it out. Do 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 do. 
that's totally getting girl from Ipanemid. I no, mm-hmm. will refuse to acknowledge that. How close was I? I was uh, close, wasn't I? You were in nine. You were in a four-way tie with Chris Hunter, MKE, with Eric ah, Lindbergh, what the hell, and friend of the podcast, Kurt Hogue. Oh, Kurt. All right. Well, that's good company. Uh, Ryan, technically, you finished in third place. Oh, okay. Because yeah. because you also ended up with 60 games as your tiebreaker. I did have 60. Yeah, okay. So Ryan is the third most insane in our community. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, if I had to rank saneness, I definitely would put James... Uh, in the high tier of sanity so i think we're, i appreciate we're, that yeah i think the tests worked out pretty well i agree um one one entry actually correctly guessed 62 games played this year the entry was i'm not sure <laughs> okay they didn't include their name they did not include their name in the entry well congratulations mystery person i'm not sure but thanks for playing along so yeah that that really is uh that's uh, a kick in the, the teeth that Steve won. That's really unfortunate. <laughs> first, he comes on the show and gives us hell for baseball not being played during the first uh, six months of Tailgate 2.0's existence. Yep. Then he has to win our damn game. Yeah, right. It really, I mean, it, the, the universe. I for everything. This is very it's, 2020, though. Like, the worst yeah, possible outcome yeah. that you could have. Like, this is... This is very much the uh, the onion meme. The um, don't you hate it when the worst person in the world you know is is right? <laughs> that picture. The, the, just gonna put that picture for the episode full, title. Like we need to like make ourselves goatees and go full darkest timeline from Community. It, it's <laughs> we're there. It's it's happened. Troy uh, walking in with the pizzas. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Kyle. It was a lot of fun. We enjoyed it, even though the results are. Frankly, horrifying. Terrible. But, yeah. All you know, well, questionable. Thank you very much for having me. On brand of the year. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, should we talk about other Brewers things? We can. We can do that. Uh, yeah, David we'll, Stern, we'll do a couple quick things because we're yeah. we're not running too late here. So. Cool. Cool. Uh, so that gives us time to talk about uh, David Stern's end of season post mortem. He gave that press conference in the last week, and he's pretty blunt when he said it, it was just not good enough. Uh, I know some of us kind of uh, worried that maybe they'd feel content with a, a playoff spot, especially getting in the way that they did. But he specifically pointed out the failures on offense, saying first and third base clearly were big issues. So I guess uh, first big question is, I know, uh, Paul, you were kind of worried that they would just kind of take this as like, a, hey, no need to change anything. Uh, does David Stearns kind of saying like, hey, what we did didn't work out. We need to do better. Does that make you feel better? Uh, I mean, a little bit. If you if you'd said anything else, it would make me feel worse for sure, because that would be <laughs> insane. Um, I, I don't know that concentrating on first and third base makes me feel that much better. Um, I know that that's where they made all their terrible moves that didn't work out but it's not like the offense was good anywhere else on the field either. <laughs> like it wasn't, Valid. it didn't really work out at shortstop or, you know, the second baseman struck out in 30% of his bats and um, our Evy Garcia hit the ball into the ground over and over again. And so, I, I mean, yeah, they need to improve at those two spots and maybe that's the place where you can improve. So that's fine. But um, well, yeah, you're not I, getting rid of Keston Hira. You're not like going to say, okay, we're done with him. He's gone. So you're going to kind of continue to roll probably with the three middle infielders or at least two of the three middle infielders you have with Urias and 
and Hira and and Arcia. You're going to roll with those guys, and you're not. You can't do anything about Christian Yelich other than just hope he gets better. Hope. Yeah. Yep. And Lorenzo Cain is coming back, so that takes care of that. I don't think you probably make a big change with Avi Garcia. I think maybe you bring in another outfielder to give you some coverage in the case of that. And maybe you do something at catcher as well. But even there, I think you probably bet on a bounce back from Narvaez. See, I think this is where I have all my problems because, um, yeah, the obvious ones are the first and third base with, you know, Logan Morrison and Justin Smoke and all those crappy guys not working out. But, like, there's reason to be more worried than that because, you know, um, here I know that you need to keep relying on him, but Picota was down on him and then that's what he did. And I don't like that going forward because it means it's a predictable bad outcome. And it was also substantially worse. Like, what we're looking at from keston here like it was supposed to be bad but it wasn't going to be as bad as it was okay like it was like 20 percent below productive which is still bad right like you're supposed to have like a 0.9 war when you're looking at the projections but when you're looking at what pakoda projected i mean he was still hitting like 265 with a 500 slugging percentage which isn't 212 with a you know barely 700 ops all true. Um, but the other moves you made that were, you know, that you kind of have to stick with are, are Narvaez, who never hit the ball hard once this year. And I have some questions about how much in a less live ball era that he, he's going to work. And Urias didn't really do any, didn't take a step forward. And I know that he's not a big offense. Uh, he is an offensive prospect and you're he, he going to give him more time to round into form. But it's not like he lit the world on fire either, like anybody else on the team did. Well, he was also coming back from COVID and a from, broken hand. And a wrist injury. He's got yep. things, yeah. Um, but none of, like, th- those are all potentially more significant problems, too. So um, uh, you, you can't really deal with them. That, that, that's kind of how they've made their bed. But uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 he wasn't going to come out and say that. He said, like, he acknowledged it, which is fine. And he pointed to the positions that they can actually fix. But they may have bigger problems on their hand than just those two spots. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is going to be to get better on the corners. And fortunately for offense, those are the easiest places to find offense. That does, I think, bode well that way, that those are the spots. Because it's much harder to find. If you need to upgrade your offense and your options are like shortstop and catcher, that's hard to do. Because Mm -hmm. guys who hit well at those positions are really, really hard to find. Whereas if you're looking at first and third, it's a little bit easier, especially first. There might be some opportunities depending on how options go next year. Yeah. But when you look at the free agent pool next year, it's uh, depressing. Like Jake Lamb is probably the best name out there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm going to keep pushing that. Jake Lamb is your Sternsy signing of the winner, right? Yeah. yeah. My third base. So the other but, problem I have with this is that Jed Jerko was one of their best offensive players and played first and third base. So, um, you know, they got bad production at those spots because they also played Justin Smoke and Ryan Healy a little bit and some other garbage there. But it's not like it was... Sogard a lot. Eric Sogard at third, that's no good. But it's not like it was the biggest black hole on the team at those spots. It it wasn't. They actually got decent offensive performance from that guy, who, unlike everybody else on the team. Well, and it it does look like the two biggest offensive contributors towards the end, which were Jericho and Vogelbach. Vogelbach! (laughs) Well... 
potentially solve some of that heading into it. And really, I think, as Paul's saying, you're looking at just expectations that your team was going through a significant anomaly that you're going to have to just let correct or find a way to correct in the off season to have a guy who was worth like eight war each of the last two seasons, not even put up one war is extremely damning of what you had to survive as a team. And then to have your best offensive player opt out early on damned you. So I think you're kind of just hoping that these are all wounds that healed themselves by the time you need to take the field. When you look at the opportunities for improvement next season, they're just poor. They're just straight up poor because maybe Justin Turner, but Justin Turner wasn't, was one of the poorer uh, players for the Dodgers in third base. And you're looking at Todd Frazier, maybe. Yeah. 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 Right. Like a bunch of guys who don't excite you a lot. Yeah. Do you want to try Brock Holt again? I don't think there's any way he was as bad with the Brewers as he was this season. So you're looking at a really, I feel like the options are to either do one of those weird Stearns things where he signs a position of depth and it's like, okay, we're going to get crazy and figure out a way to make this work. Or it's, you just got to hope things get better on their <laughs> own. It, like, obviously you have to do what you can as a team to advance that. So yeah. they saw pitching as being like, Hey, we have a bunch of talented pitchers. They're not doing well. So here's the pitching lab. We're going to work stringently with our pitchers to correct their flaws you need to find the hitting version of that to make sure that when hitters go through this, there's an opportunity for them to correct it. Yeah. And it judging from what David Stearns was also saying at that uh, post-mortem, they may need to lean into that hope and pray that things just get better on their own because uh, money might be an issue, obviously not just for the birds, but for the league as a whole. Uh, he did say it's a little too early to tell how much the challenges of this year due to COVID-19 will affect the payroll. But I think anybody who with a functioning brain can kind of see where this is going uh, and, and the impacts that might have on payrolls across the league. Uh, I know the Milwaukee business journal had a report out this week saying that the brewers estimated loss of revenue with no fans was $178 million this year. Uh, take that for what it's worth. Our good friend Ruby, though, also pointed out that the Brewers' actual payroll with prorated salaries is only like thirty nine million. Yeah. yeah, so it wasn't uh, hundred. So it wasn't that much. That's just a lie. That can't possibly be true. So I don't believe it at all. <laughs> so yeah, what, that was going to be my, my another hundred forty million dollars on. Like, tell me it's, that. That's a lot of just, money. I also think like they're using calculations that are in a traditional year, but look at all the ways they found different ways to bring in revenue, like the 3D projected ads that they were charging mm -hmm. people for to replace fan income and stuff like that. Uh, you're also not paying. I mean, they fired a lot of employees. We uh, they fired a lot of ticket staff. They fired scouts. They fired they those things happen. They save money in different ways. That's what businesses do when they have the excuse and opportunity to do it. Right. So and it's I just not like the journal has updated books from when that happened. They don't. So right. just even ignore all of that. A lot of the firings have been public enough where we understand the extent of it. I happen yep. to have minimal connection to know that some of the ticket staff was let go, but we don't even know the full extent of it. We just know it happened because they also happened to do things like when they did that also announced, you know, new graphics for American family field and things like that, that kind of cover up what's 
happening because that's what big organizations do to protect their PR status. And that's not a baseball or Brewers exclusive thing. That's just the world thing. So we don't really know what that looks like because we have no idea the extent that they went to save money or the extent that they went to get money back. Because again, we don't know what were those digital on-field advertisements that covered up the bleacher area charged for. We have no comprehension of what that looks like. Yep. Yep. It's all very much a black box, which is why I'm really going to try not to judge this. I, I, I say knowing that I'm going to be judging this later in like a couple months, but uh-huh. I'm really going to try not to because we just don't know. We have no real idea of how this is actually affecting them. Specifically, we do know, and we've talked about this before, that the brewers are more reliant on uh, game day receipts for mm-hmm. their revenue than most teams because they are have one of the worst uh, local TV deals in the game. Which, which I think they get a new one this year, this offseason? I think off it's, it's coming up soon. Yeah, I thought 2020 yep. was like the last year of it, and I haven't heard anything about it being renewed. But, so you get new stadium money and new TV money. But now might not be the greatest time to be negotiating one of those deals. Or is it the best? I mean, ratings were the Brewers' ratings were down, but baseball ratings were up as a whole, and the cost of TV contracts is better i mean obviously everyone has the leverage of crying poor everyone has that right now because of what happened but you you might actually have some because of what's happening around the league just ability to say like no you need to match this or we need to go short term rather than a 20 30 year deal blah 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 blah. i mean they do like what 10 year deals so you have that opportunity as well um and the assurance that look, that was an anomaly. If we look at the stats, you're buying for the future. And when we look at buying for the future, you know, you're going to get this back. So you got to do what you got to do. There's ways to negotiate this and the networks that have their broadcasts are going to want to keep their broadcast because what else are you going to watch on Fox sports, Wisconsin? Well, the thing I saw too, we have to take into account though. This affects every team equally, but The Brewers, starting, I think, in 2022, just from that new TBS deal alone, every team in the league is going to get like $17 more per year from just that deal. That doesn't even include the Big Fox deal, which is much bigger than the the TBS deal. So, like, it doesn't start next year, but starting in the future, like, they're going to be getting even more money from the, the national TV deal. So Spoiler alert, they're going to try to spend the same amount of money they spend on the current product. <laughs> they are. I, I think oh, my yeah. point is just don't believe any financial yes. Um, yes. information. I, that you I think we're all very much on I, the same page. I I'm think sure we'll... they lost money. Um, that's almost certainly true. Um, I'm also sure they didn't lose a hundred and whatever million dollars. That's impossible because they didn't pay players more than thirty nine million dollars. So absolutely impossible. I, I think too when we look at what Ryan's argument is, is it, still very valid and. It's one of those things where uh, the owners and GMs already love crying poor, and now they actually have a good reason to cry it. You're saying that Yankees didn't actually lose a half a billion dollars this year, Paul? I am saying that is absolutely the case. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that is ridiculous. Come on. Uh, I, I forget what the Yankees what kind of I know, I know like le- I know league wide, they were saying like the league wide number was something like five billion, which Jeez. again, like. It, you're trying to count up just lost potential revenue, right? It's yeah. not actual losses too, which we've said through, you know, all the, the months of preseason talk we had here when they were negotiating. Uh, I, 
I do think it's important to remember, though, that the Brewers were cutting payroll even before COVID was a thing. Yep. Like they, they had reduced their payroll from last year to this year anyway. So I don't think it's out of the question to think that maybe they will continue to reduce. Actually, think it's probably actually likely, yep. given everything, that they'll try to continue to reduce. And Indeed. what that means when they didn't spend a whole lot this last winter, I don't know. Maybe Maybe we're in for a quiet winter. So uh, before we get out, I had one more question I wanted to raise to everybody. In the first game that the of the playoffs that the Brewers lost to the Dodgers, the Mookie Betts led off the game with a double um, that would eventually lead to Suter's terrible inning where he walked in two runs. Later on in the game, Mookie Betts would drive in a run with a double um, to basically put the game away. The Brewers would score two runs. Um, both of those doubles were to deep center field. And, of course, earlier in the season, Lorenzo Cain opted out of the season mostly because the Cardinals were infected with COVID. So my question is, did the Cardinals cost the Brewers a playoff series um, by being (laughs) irresponsible? Normally, I would love to jump on this boat, but the Brewers just weren't going to score runs. They scored (laughs) two, though. Because Walker Buehler was having a somewhat off year and was allowed to use a a ton of pine tar that we constantly saw on the TV on his (laughs) finger because he had a blister. (laughs) I don't think that he was up to the full talent. So that they got two runs off a bad Walker Buehler didn't give me hope for what they were going to do against Tony Gonsolin in Game 3. All right. so, or uh, Dustin May in game three, especially when K- uh, Clayton Kershaw looked like he was barely trying and get, having the best playoff game of his career. Yeah, I don't know about costing them a playoff series, but I, do, I am perfectly on board with blaming the Cardinals for losing uh, Lorenzo Cain for the year. I, the fact that that scared him so much that he just decided to up and quit, I, I'm fine blaming the Cardinals for that. I I think we need to extrapolate this into what else that means, because did they cost us a sixth seed? They might have. He's probably worth an extra game or two, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't have split all those season series. (laughs) And one of those wins is probably against the Cardinals, which then gets the tiebreaker, which then, you know, like we can extrapolate it. Jumping into that even a little bit further, if Lorenzo Cain plays, I'm pretty sure I win the prop bet contest. So. Even if you don't win, then that means that the Brewers might have played someone else in the playoffs, which also means true. that they might have won the series, which means that they might have won played 64 games, which means that Steve would have been wrong. Yep, exactly. <laughs> it's the butterfly flaps its wings in so Brazil problem, really. What, yeah, so what, yeah. we, what this ultimately comes down to is that Steve only won the prop bet contest because of the Cardinals. And as we all know, that if you win anything because of the Cardinals, it's just tainted horribly, and you should disavow any affiliation or association with it. Nobody so Steve is a Cardinals fan is what I'm hearing. Yep. Yep. I That factually checks out. Do we, yeah, do we have out. a Brewers Twitter Pirates fan and a Brewers Twitter, Twitter Reds fan? We have the Brewers Twitter Cubs fan of JR. We have JR for that, yeah. <laughs> We're halfway there to a full division of Brewers Twitter traders. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm happy with JR the Cubs fan and Steve the Cardinals fan. That works. Yep. Yeah. Is it enough that like I I think the pirates are cute in like the like, oh, it's very cute to watch a baby animal try to take its first steps? (laughs) (laughs) Well, but but that doesn't quite explain the pirates. The 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 more apt description would be, oh, no, the little bird got out of its nest and now it's being mauled by any other living (laughs) creature. Right. Well, oh, this is man. this is like the lion shows up right after the calf is born and trying to walk, and yes. then you're like, yep. "Oh, this is no longer fun to watch." <laughs> yep. I I did feel bad for pirates Twitter uh, for 
game five of the ALDS between the, the Yankees and the oh Rays because it was just all the glass, no coal stuff, like not, all not, the pictures of them in Pittsburgh. And then like the reminder of the Chris Archer trade, it was just, it was all bad. I terrible. still think Chris Archer is probably because they're definitely turning down that $11 million deal. Right. Or do they have to do it oh, just yeah, so they no. can look like they're trying to pay somebody and they don't have a $20 million maybe, set, like to avoid, avoid the union grievance. Maybe they pick it uh, up, but maybe so, that's how the Brewers finally get Chris Archer. <laughs> I, I think like Chris Archer and Robbie Ray being Brewers next year is the most David Stearns thing on a pitching side and him just sending them to the pitching lab right away and being like, big show shit and trying to like get them on top of their game. Robbie Ray as a Brewer is a thing that has been foretold for ages at this point and will well, happen. Archer too. Yeah. Well, Archer too. I mean, they tried for two seasons to get him. Uh, I, I was pro that uh, pro getting him because of all the background numbers that somehow disappeared once he got into Pittsburgh. Well, but you then, can thank Ray Searage for that. Uh, yeah, that. Yeah. And that once, but once I saw what the Pirates gave up, I was like, only a moron would give up that package. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you look at this ALDS and womp womp, there it is. By the way, I hope Brett Phillips gets a ring. Yeah. I, I mean, he's too. already a dancing yeah. champion, if you saw <laughs> that Twitter video. Yes. Uh, one more thing. <laughs> So you know how David Stearns likes to give out one-year deals to pitchers on kind of like a prove-it kind of deal? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Ryan, this question is for you. Do you know what pitcher really, 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 really likes one-year deals now? No. Yes. Stop. No. no. Don't. No. Stop. No. We're, we're, no. All, we're all in this boat together. and Don't we... put that evil out in the world. <sighs> the evils we... are, I've already tweeted it. The evil's out in the world. Yeah, I'm, I, at this point, I, I'm willing a former Cy Young winner to our team just because I want to deal with one season of takes. And then and then I'll be taked out. I'll be taked out, and you'll never have to hear from Kyle, me about you're him never again. taked out. You'll never have to. Kyle, you'll never be taked out. We, I we know, but we can dream. You, we can dream. We can. Not we only will Kyle really minute before the podcast arguing about how I met your mother. You're never going to be <laughs> taken out. Arguing about how you're the only person on God's green earth besides for the showrunners who support the ending. <laughs> All right. Uh, and on that right. note, all right, time to go. On that note, wrap <laughs> yes, this on that up. note, if you have anything else uh, you want us to talk about, we put out a call for questions every week on our Twitter account at MKE Tailgate. Uh, we might have to block Kyle again just so he doesn't ask about how I met your mother. <laughs> when we send that tweet out, you can reply to it with your question. You can follow each of us on Twitter as well. Ryan is at RD Top. Paul is at Badger Noonan. Brad is at Brew Crew Blue. I'm at James L. Uh, Kyle, do you want to give your Twitter handle in case anybody wants any more bad opinions? Sure. Mine is at Kyle in MKE. Do sure. I have to temporarily make mine a Halloween one and brew crew boo? <laughs> you should. You 100% should. I always a little do. ghost emoji. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I always screw that. To make a second placeholder account for brew crew blue so I don't go snipe it from you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there we go. So, yeah, you can follow Kyle for all the bad How I Met Your Mother takes and uh, raw sweet corn and all that fun stuff. If you haven't already, please do not forget to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, please do leave a review and help other people find the podcast. Thanks all for listening this week. Thank you, Kyle, for doing our prop bets this year. Uh, we will no longer acknowledge the existence of this contest because Steve won. Uh, yeah. It'll go into the ether and the depths of 2020, and we'll never speak of this unpleasantness ever again. In the meantime, stay well, and we'll see you next week on Milwaukee's Tell.
Who's Blake Lively? Uh, she's married to Ryan Reynolds. I'm, I'm kidding. Oh yeah. Well, that's right. I actually, yeah. more often than not, I would actually not be kidding. I'm very bad at this. I'm banned from my friend's Oscar party because I constantly have to ask who's that. She thinks it's a bit, but I really don't know. <laughs> I'm the same way. I don't know who anybody is actor-wise. That's, what, that's Amy. I, I stopped paying attention to it about 10 years ago, but up to that point, I knew it. Sure. So wait, who was Gossip Girl? Was it Chuck Bass? No, it was uh, it was what's his face. That, that means nothing to you. 